And what an honor it is to be right here at Rise Church. I've been waiting to meet you from week in one. That's how long I've been waiting to meet you, for five years. And um, I am your long-lost Italian uncle. I don't know if you know that or not. I'm kind of the guy who shows up, kind of gets in the refrigerator without permission and stays a little longer than I'm supposed to. Staying two weeks, two months later, I'm still on the couch. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of that guy. But uh, what an honor it is to be here. And thank you so much, Pastor. You and your wife mean the world to Delenn and I, and of course, so many people. And uh, I'm going to record, I'm going to make sure I get a recording of that intro and send it to my wife just so she knows that I'm a pretty good guy. Uh, and so again, honor to be here. Thank God for what he's doing. And you could, you could sense family right when you ride on the property. You could just sense what matters, and uh, your pastors have done it right for the right reason. Uh, the integrity, the stewardship, which I think is so important in these days. Uh, people that you can trust. There's accountability. There's transparency. There's all these things that are happening in the life of this church and in, in the world that I get to be in, traveling in a lot of different churches, being around some great churches like this. Uh, I don't know in, in our world of launching new churches. Uh, I was texting already this morning a lot of our team that helps other churches do this. If you were church plant 804, is that 803? Uh, we just launched 1097th church. And so, come on, that's a good place to clap your hands. And that's a reflection of your tithe and offering. Of course, Vision Week is right around the corner. So when you give, a portion of that is helping us to start other churches. And um, and so I'm texting our team already saying, hey, we need to make sure that every church planner we're in contact with, they come here to Rise Church learn from this excellent team, the integrity of this church, and all the things that you're doing with this incredible space. I've spoken a lot of different spaces. I've done a lot of different events. I did a Mary Kay event the other day. Y'all know what it's like to be in there, the only guy with 2,000 women in pink, and we're talking about some blush and some mascara, and so, I mean, we was working some mascara up in there for Jesus, and, uh, and so... I mean, I've been in some environments, but I'll tell you what, uh, this, this is a unique environment that I am so proud of. And uh, again, so much of that leadership comes right out of the heart of your pastors. And I know how much you love your pastors. They are the real deal. They love you. They love God. They love each other. An amazing family. And uh, when you have a, a pastors like you have, they are a gift from God. And so why don't we show our love for our pastors and thank God for Aaron and Erica. Come on, show your love. They're the real deal. We've had a great time. We've had a great time. They are the real deal. God gave you a gift when, when, when they're here. And again, so much of what you see, I mean, in the foyer, seeing what you're doing Christmas, child, that blessed my heart. Uh, I was reached because of outreach. The church did an outreach like that. You do those things, whether it's serve day in the fall or all the different expressions through small groups or helping people take a next step or uh, finding a pathway. I showed up at church, didn't know anything. And I'm grateful for a church that showed a pathway. And so much of that is happening throughout church life. And then being able to see what God is doing here locally with your outreach and then helping us launch more churches. That's a part of vision. And I know you have that right around the corner. Anytime I have an opportunity, uh, I pastored for uh, uh, 20 years in, in Baton Rouge, but I attend a church down in uh, uh, Birmingham, Church of the Highlands, a church like this, multiple locations, and lead this organization. But anytime we're in a, a season like we are right now, I was talking with your pastor this morning about we're doing some things in the correctional facilities right now, helping families, being there for, for, for that situation. We're all planning to give. We're getting excited about making an impact in our correctional facilities, about being able to expand it. 
in some new areas in Alabama. So we're all praying about giving. And, and, and you know, in, in that moment, I'm always praying about it. And, and there's three words I always uh, work with in my own heart, me and my wife together, as we head into a vision Sunday, a vision moment where we're giving. Uh, I'm praying, and then I'm planning. I make it a plan. Lord, what are you saying to me? I'm going to plan on being a part. And then the other one is I participate with that. And so I want to encourage every single person, lean in and participate with Vision Week, which is right around the corner. They'll tell you a lot about that, but I'm excited about it. Uh, our family's doing well. Uh, I never communicate without showing a picture of our family. So I think there's a picture of the family. There's the Rizzo's right there. That's the Rizzo family. I'm, I'm, I'm Italian, but I married a Cajun girl. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So there's a whole lot of activity going on in my life. And so that is my, uh, that's our oldest daughter, our youngest daughter there in the white. She just graduated from Alabama. That's my son, Dylan. He's serving at Highlands. This is our oldest daughter, McCall. She's an LSU graduate, married a boy that is an Alabama graduate. So they have football issues constantly. But our oldest daughter is pregnant with our first grandchild. And uh, she's my favorite child right now. I don't even like them other two. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I only like that one right now. And so... She's going to bring us our first granddaughter. And then that's my lovely wife. We've been married 35 years, and I get it. I know you see that and think, how did that happen? It was a moment of blindness in her life, and then she just had grace on me. She is gorgeous. She is my favorite thing in the whole world is that girl right there. Uh, I love her, and, and, and she is the best Christian I know. And I know I'm, I'm just grateful for my family, and I feel like family here. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to talk for a few minutes around the idea of a life of over and above, a life of over and above. And, 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 and really what I'm doing is saying amen to a church that gets this. It's a big reminder of what we are. What you, you don't see the growth of this church and, my goodness, so many people coming to Christ and all the impact that you're having, the excellence of, of those that are serving outside and all around. Everywhere I've gone, people serving, nice, kind folk. Uh, you don't see that without uh, being over and above. And I want to I remind you about that as we look at the Scripture. Let's all pray. Father, we love you. Speak to us for a few minutes today. Lord, let every person know that they matter, every single mom or blended family or student God. Lord, speak to every heart. Lord, we thank you for our pastors. We thank you for what you're doing in church life. Lord, thank you that this is a season of vision. It is a season for us to lift up our eyes and see what's happening around us. Lord, in a world right now that's spinning, in a world right now that there's so many things that are happening every single day, but we thank you that we could come together and worship you and proclaim over and over again that Jesus is Lord of our life. Because Jesus is Lord, no matter what happens in this world, we can live a life on vision and a life on purpose and a life on point. So we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good amen. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church. Come on, look at the other person that was your second choice and tell them, you look like you could use a little church, my friend. You know, I, I love, I love the, the, the kind of the why behind the what of Rise Church. I, I love the idea that when we get together and what it's all about here is to reach people and to build lives. 
I mean, at the end of the day, that's why we take steps. That's why uh, all the things that you see in the church life, that's, that's why your pastors are caring. That's the integrity of finances, the integrity of ministry, what's happening with the kids' space right now. It, it, it's all about building people, and it's about reaching lives and making a difference. We launched a church uh, back in 1992, my wife and I in Baton Rouge, and, and we were there, and it was a little small building that someone let us use, and this little small building had a parsonage attached to it. Now, if you don't know anything about a parsonage, this was just brilliant idea that they came up with where the pastor gets to live on the property and you never leave. It's a little bit like it being incarcerated at the ministry. And so I was incarcerated on the piece of property. So a parsonage is an incredible, horrible thing all at the same time. And so we lived in the parsonage and we started our church just right out in the yard of the church. And, and the and other amazing, brutal thing that they did for us is the phone would ring and you couldn't unford it. It would ring at the church on Sunday morning from like eight in the morning to about two but then it was forwarded to the house all the rest of the week. So it was just such a blessing and a cursing all at the same time. And so we're living in the parsonage, and one afternoon we'd been in church for about five or six months. The phone rings, I pick it up, and it's Sister Onita. Now, Sister Onita, she's Cajun, y'all. She lives down by, by, by your man shack. And so she's down by, by your man shack. Pasadena, Pasadena, we got by Floodwater, getting ready to come up out to Bayou man shack. Going to come across Hushitu Road, going to come up over here by Elliot's house, going to come down to, out across the field at Brother Broussard's house, and, and it's going to flood my house. You're going to need to get a truck, get down here, and get me out this house. I got mom all upstairs, got them babies out in the front yard. Y'all going to need to do something with this. And hangs up the phone. And I'm like, this is my first time. I mean, I'm a church planter. I'm like, do we even do I even know anybody that has a vehicle? And, and you know, and so I finally call a guy who's got a truck, and I call a teenager, and I'm going to go over there and kind of give spiritual oversight because that's about all I think I can contribute. And so we go down uh, by Uban Shack, we go Hushtu over there by Amy River, and we pull up on Sister Onita's house. And if for sure, you look across the pasture, see the flood water coming, and so we get in there, we load our furniture up. Where are we taking this, Sister Onita? I don't know. Where are you taking it? Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many's ever been to a move and it was supposed to take an hour and three weeks later you're still helping a friend that will no longer be a friend if you know what I'm talking about but your enemy after that and so we, we load up her stuff I go I go rent a warehouse we're gonna put sister Nita over there she's a widow her, her mother's a, a, been a widow for a while we, we rent a small uh a warehouse, we get all our stuff out, we tear up, we, 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 we get her, the babies out the front yard, get mama out the upstairs, and, 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 and the flood water comes through her house and uh, is there for about a week. It goes down, uh, and she says, We got to get back in my house. Well, that means we're going to re remodel her house. So if you've ever had a flood of house, it's a situation. We're getting that carpet out of there, we're getting that tax strip, we're getting, we're getting the baseboards, that sheetrock, and we're laying carpet, everything. I mean, we're like three months into this project now. Uh, you know, and, and, and finally, we, it, we get it all done, and we get Sister Onita back in the house. I get Mama back upstairs. I get the babies out in the front yard, and, and we, we, I head back to the parsonage about three months later. I'll never forget, in, in the vehicle, going back to the parsonage, I'll never forget thinking about what we had just experienced, that how our church came together, and, and the men of our church, and the women of our church, and, and, and we gave over and above out of our finances, and we, we sacrificed for that family. I would never forget for the rest of my life, even to this day, to this morning, that I had no regrets. I, I, I remember thinking, I'm glad we went all in. I'm glad we didn't halfway help Sister Onita. I'm glad we just do, didn't do a little bit. In that moment, I felt a difference. I felt that we had made an a, a impact 
on this family for the cause of Christ. We had lifted up Jesus through our giving and through our serving and through our caring. And I was glad as a church that we went over and above for people. I don't think there's ever a time that we regret that. Not in light of the kingdom, not in light of eternity, not in light of the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, I love finding these scriptures. Again, I wasn't raised in church, so I read my Bible for the first time when I was 18 years old. I was raised uh, in a little beach community called Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, come on, shout out to Dirty Myrtle. If you've ever been there, you know it. And, uh, and, and so I'm raised in Myrtle Beach. We, we did not attend church. We were not church-going people. But I, I came to Christ because a church like this did a serve day, did an outreach, and reached me outside the walls of the church. And because of that, it impacted my life, and, and I was able to be in church. And, and so read my Bible for the first time when I was 18. But I love finding these scriptures that I call kind of one-stop shops. Where Right there, it has everything you need to know about a, a subject or about a value in our life. And there's one of those. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And it talks about generosity. It talks about not being eat up with selfishness. It talks about being able to get outside of yourself and not being so me, myself, and I driven and, and realizing uh, the Bible encourages us almost to not live our life in me-ville, but to live our life in we-ville. There's a big difference. And so the apostle is, is talking to the Corinthian church and says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, none of that weird giving pressure, weird stuff. No, 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 no. Let God speak to your heart when you're supposed to be a blessing to someone. Then I love this phrase that's just kind of thrown into this talk. For God loves a cheerful giver. Just FYI, if you want to know something about God Almighty, the nature and character of God is that God loves a cheerful giver. If you ever wanted to know what God loves, he loves a cheerful giver. And we continue to teach on. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, all times, having all that you need, you will abound. I like that word. In every good work. It is written, they freely scatter their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will also supply, increase your store of seed, enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity, this is amazing, that your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We just put on pause for a moment. You mean to tell me that I can live a generous life and care about my neighbor and notice people around me and be a blessing to the church and be a blessing to the widow and be a blessing to the mission and be a blessing to children around the world? You mean to tell me that my generosity can create a byproduct of thanksgiving to God? You mean I can live my life that in turn can impact somebody else's life after all the Lord has done for me? Come on, do I have anybody who God has helped you? Can I have a good amen? I mean, you think about how God has forgiven you and how God has helped you in your marriage, how God has healed you, how God has been there for you. Hey, when God walked in, when other people walked out. And you mean to tell me that in, in, in return, I can live my life in a way that other people will experience that? I'll take more of that. 
That's what the writer is saying to us. That's what the scripture is saying. It says this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing. It's a great word. In many expressions of thanks to God because of the life of service by which you proved yourself. Others, 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 others will praise God for your obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. You you know what that means? It means you actually live out what you proclaim to do. How many knows that somebody that's about to bless anybody, and if they never follow through with that, does it bless anybody? My idea to help you, if I don't follow through on my idea, it doesn't bless anybody. An intentional blessing is amazing. It's the action. If, if I'm, if I'm going to give you a compliment, but I never say it, then you don't get blessed by the compliment. He said, no, it's, in your, it's a obedience. It's when you walk it out. It's when you live it out for your generosity in sharing with them and with every one else. I'll add one other scripture to this that I think makes sense in this reading of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, John three sixteen. My goodness. Where would we be without John chapter 3, verse 16? It is the landmark of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave. God loved God gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever, others, 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 that believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can I have a good amen for the reading of God's word? My goodness. There's so many things I love about this. We can just talk on and on and go to a meal and eat some chips and dip and just just talk about it, just talk about it, just talk about it, just talk about it. I love, but, but something that, as I was studying this recently, when I was reading it, and you read 2 Corinthians 9, you read 2 Corinthians 10, you're just going through this. You run into that little phrase uh, right there uh, in verse, right there at the end of verse 7 as we go into verse 8. God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, when I was reading it, it jumped out because I thought, wow, it's amazing that in this teaching, it's like Paul is just saying, hey, remember something about God. Because sometimes we wonder what God is like. Maybe we've had a hurtful experience. Maybe we've been hurt in a church or, or, or we've had a moment in our life where we're not sure what God is like. I wonder what God is like. What does he think about me? And, and, and what is he really, what's his, what's his character and nature towards me, towards what's happening in the world today? What is God like? And here we, we see a little glimpse of something that God loves. Now, there's not a lot of things that the Bible says that God loves. We just read one in John 3, 16. For God so loves the world. We know that God loves people. We know that God loves lost humanity. We don't know what, if he has a favorite color. We don't know if he has a favorite animal. We don't know if there's a favorite beach spot. We don't know if there's a favorite country or a favorite language. But right here, it gives us detail, detail specifics that one of the things that God loves is God loves a cheerful giver. So in my processing, not being raised in church and and being saved by the blood of Jesus and the gospel coming to me, in my process, it makes me then say, well, then I want to be who God loves. I'll explain it like this. So I fell in love with my wife when she was in like with me. Work with me. Can I have a good amen rise? 
That means I said, I love you. And she said, thank you. My brother, my brother. If you get a thank you, don't go buy that ring yet. Hold up. Don't go to sales. Hold up. So I'm getting thank you. I'm getting th- That's great. Well, thank That's awesome. Thanks for telling me that. And so I started trying to figure out how am I going to get this girl to love me because I fell in love immediately and she was in like and I was in love. So I started finding out what she loved. She loved, she loved Pizza Hut. I love Pizza Hut too. Every day I'll go to Pizza Hut. She, she loved little precious moment statues that you get at Hallmark. They're my favorite thing in the whole world. I went to every Hallmark store in South Louisiana, bought every single one of them and gave them to her. I love all these little statue children flying a kite with these big heads and these little hair. I love all of them. I cl- I'm a collector. I'm a collector. Well, eventually, she kind of got a glimpse of the total package. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and she started, I'll never forget when she said, I love you too. I was like, oh, it's on. Let's go. We about to say yes to the dress. Where are you at? Because I started loving what she loved. God loves a cheerful giver. That's what, that's what I love about this church. Thank, oh, thank you, Lord, that Rise Church loves generosity, loves being a blessing. So what's the opposite, being stingy? You know, yeah, I go to that church. The other day I was at a place and I was in a store and a lady walked up to me. She's doing this right here. I, I know you. Snapping at me. Just, I know you. I was like, what's up, what's up, what's up? She, she's got a friend with her and a friend's looking at me. Who is he? And she's snapping. They both snapping at me. The Alabama lady's just snapping at you. Like, she says, oh yeah, you, you preach at that church. And I was like, oh boy, well, oh boy, okay, what's up? And she said, oh, yes, yeah, ch- she turns her friend, it's that church that helps everybody. Ladies just snap, yeah, yeah, you have that church that helps everybody. Uh, you know, I looked at her and said, thank you. That's one of the greatest compliments I've ever received in my life. Do you want the opposite? Oh, yeah, you're at that church that helps nobody. We don't want that. We, we, Lord, help me to be marked by the thing that you love. And the Bible says that he loves a, a, a hilarious giver. That Greek word is hilarious which we, we get the word hilarious. So that means he, he loves a ha, 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 I don't know about you, but I love hilarious. I don't need anybody else in my life telling me more negative things. I don't, I don't, nobody, when somebody calls me on the phone and says, I can't wait to see you. I've got something hilarious. Tell me right now. When are we meeting? Somebody says, I got something horrible to tell you. I'll call you next week. You know, I, I invite hilarious. I want hilarious. I want to be around hilarious people. I want to be around hilarious things. Why? Because it's cheerful. And God says, I love a cheerful, hilarious giver. God, let that be my life. Let me be that as a dad. Let me be that as a husband. Let me walk in those things. That Lord, if that's what you love, then I want to do that. Why? Because the Bible says that joy and generosity is tied together. So Lord, help me. I need more joy in my life. The joy of the Lord is my strength and that joy and generosity is tied together. So help me to walk in that. And then I love also in the scripture how it talks a little bit about how the farmer is scattering the seed and how he's scattering it and being a blessing. If, if you and I were talking to a farmer and he said, I've got all this seed, what are you going to do with that seed? I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hoard it. You would say, don't do that. Because if you hoard the seed and if you hold on to the seed, you have no future. 
If you hold on to it, you can't help anybody. The power in helping, the power in growing, the power in producing and fruit and harvest is in the releasing of it. So Lord, help me to be a person that's not afraid to be a blessing, to say the word that I need to say, to communicate the value that I need to communicate because that's what you do because generosity, when you release it, creates freedom and blessing to someone else. I was talking to your pastor. I want you to know this about Rise Church. In the last five years, because of your generosity and because of setting up and because of uh, Christmas Child and because of Serve Days and all the things that you do as a church, almost 2,000 people have given their life to Jesus Christ. Come on, let's clap our hands, Rise Church. That's faithfulness in the tithe and offering. That's serving on a team. That's being in a great. What is that doing? That's, that, that generosity opens up the gospel door for students and for the widow and for the hurting and the broken. Because the plan of God and what we read here in Corinthians is that once you and I walk through the gospel door, and we, we, we ask Jesus in our heart. He forgives us of our sins and he heals us and he, he starts putting us back together again and he, he brings freedom in our life and we, we find true sobriety and we find peace and, and help with our, our anxiety and our depression, all these things we struggle with in our life and we walk through the gospel door and he is now with us to walk in our journey. We do not let the gospel door shut behind us. We live our life being on a team and being a blessed one, holding the gospel door open. Why? For another. Another, another. My first pastor, when I got saved, he got this. Oh, he was a good first pastor. I was saved, got a little beach church in, in Myrtle Beach. And now he was a long-winded preacher. Preach a whole series on Sunday. Like you, you hopefully trying to get to dinner about five o'clock. Law, hey, angry preacher. I don't know if you've ever been around an angry preacher. Let me tell you something right now. Like, he, you think, I think he wants to fight me. I think he can't stand me. Angry preacher, long-winded preacher, but love a confronter. I don't know if you have a confronter in your life. Confront you. And I'll never forget, I'm 19 years old. I just started going to the church, and, and I've been there about six months. I was serving on a team, got in a small group. To God be the glory. Wouldn't be here today if I wouldn't have gotten a group. And so I get in a group. I'm in the life of the church. And, and he stops me in the foyer of the church. Now, the foyer of the church about the size of this carpet right here. Little baby foyer. And everybody's in there, and he just he's in the foyer. And he don't have an inside voice. Y'all know people only have an outside voice. They, like, have the gift of loud. And so he's like, uh, Brother Rizzo. I'm 19. He called me brother. Brother Rizzo, can you, can you come over here for a moment to have a meeting? We're in a meeting now. We're in a counseling session. He says, I know God's done a lot in your life, but you're not giving back. He says, you're not tithing. I was like, excuse me? And there's people standing around. He's like, you're not, a, you're not tithing. I said, no, I, I gave, I, I've been giving. He said, no, you're tipping God. You're not tithing. In front of everybody. And at 19 years old, my first pastor taught me the principle of the tithe and offering. And he taught me the principle of, of living a life of over and above at 19 years old. He said, let me, let me help you a little bit. The tithe, he said, if God gives you 10 Skittles in your life, you, give, you return one back to him 
to the local church and you help us do all this. That's what you do. He could ask for more, but he said, just give me a tenth. Give me a tithe. He said, I need you to start tithing on everything the Lord blesses you with. He said, I want you to teach you the prayer. He said, the tithe works this way. You get, you get, you get paid. You work a hard job. You work, you know, I was laying carpet at the t- that time. You lay in carpet. You do some wood floors. When you get paid, that's, you know, after the fact, you worship me with your giving. You worship God. You thank him. Lord, thank you for providing for me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for feeding me. Thank you for taking That's after the fact. You're honoring God. It's worship to God. He said, but Dino, let me teach you a little bit about over and above. Over and above is after the, it's before. He said, that's where you feel moved by God to do something for, for Jesus, to do something for others beforehand. That, that's what, it's like going to, to the donut place and the Holy Spirit whispers and says, get a few extra donuts for somebody. Or you buying a biscuit and you see somebody else that you feel led to buy that biscuit for. Now, hey, if they don't want it, you get two biscuits, glory to God. It's, there's an abundance. But you know when the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, tells you to do something, bring that meal, say that prayer, help somebody. That's beforehand. I was with a church the other day. I meet a pastor. He takes me outside. says, look at that. Look at all that parking that was poured. He said, now, people have not parked on it yet. It's the first Sunday they're going to park on it. But the people gave a vision offering. They gave over and above uh, about $1.2 million so that we could pour more parking so that people could have space to park. And I thought, wow, before one person has parked on it, they did it beforehand, but they saw a vision that someone's going to park on it, come inside the church, check their kids in, let their teenagers feel life, give their life to Jesus Christ, heal their marriage. That's called over and above. And my pastor knew something about life that I didn't know. He knew that marriage parenting and life never works well when you live in the world of stingy. He taught me that. I'm grateful for the pastor. I'm going to finish up and give you a little bit of application, just real simple, just three applications as it relates to living a life of over and above. So we're praying for the vision and thinking about our legacy, wanting to make a difference with our life. Here's the first thing. Just start. What's the first, what's, what's the most important step of any journey? First one, just start, start tithing, start giving. Just make a decision today that I'm going to go online and I'm going to start giving. I'm a, I'm a, for the first time in my life, I'm going to pray about the vision offering. I'm just, start, just, just start asking God in the morning, is there anybody in my path that I should be a blessing to today? Interrupt me. Speak to me. Lord, anything I can do to say a kind word, to pray a prayer, to maybe bring a meal to someone or maybe help someone with, with something that they're going through, just start. Just take the first step Get some seed in the ground. Here's the second thing is join a team. Do something together. Can I tell you something? Uh, we, we, I can't plant a church by myself, but we can. I can't give out a couple hundred boxes to children all over the world who have nothing, but we can. We can do something together. Everybody knows this statement. There's one bayou in Louisiana you don't want to live on. It's called Bayou Self. <laughs> Trouble on Bayou Self. Every time I've ever gotten in trouble, I was on by yourself. We do the work of God together. But together we buy a piece of land. Together we launch another campus. Together we can dig a well in India. Together we can do an outreach that will help hurting humanity. And buy a bunch of groceries together. We do something together. We do it on team. And then the last thing, and this is a value of this house, hold Nothing back. Hold nothing back. Why? 
because you just never know. What God will do in you, God will do through you. Lord, help me to live my life with an open hand and an open heart and help me be all that I can be. The other day I was having one of those days where I was thinking a lot about myself. I don't know if you have one of those days where you get in your head. I call it a Dino day. All about Dino's problems, Dino's issues, Dino's money, Dino's future. I was thinking, Benji, you know, I, I, I get lost in my thoughts about my problems, my cares. Going through Starbucks, making an order, don't even remember the order. Got a drink, don't even remember the interchange with another human. I was so in my own problems, my own anxiety, my own worries. And, and so I, I pull up and put my truck in park in the drive through line. Just thinking about Dino, I was uh, stressing, stressing. Finally, somebody knocks on my window and says, hey, man, roll your window down. I was like, I don't know. You ain't roll my window down, rolling up on my truck like that. You better back up on my truck. Hey, roll your window down. I roll my window. He says, you're blocking the drive-through. This car's wrapped around Starbucks, and I, I pull up, and he's walking by me. We start. I said, who are you? Do you work for Starbucks? He said, no, man, I got off a bus in the wrong spot trying to get myself down to the shelter. I'm homeless, man. So what shelter is that? And I knew that where he was talking about, we have a dream center down there. We do an outreach expression like you do in the community, similar things. I said, I said, my man, it closes at seven. It's 530. You ain't gonna make it. I said, man, jump up my truck. I'm gonna run you down there. I'm not an advocate to let people in your vehicle. Okay, here's a little guy. I'm a double X. I'm in my truck in Alabama. I'm in control of the situation. If you know what I'm talking about, I'm good. So he gets in my truck. I start running. I said, what's your name? He said, Benjamin. I said, dude, you're in the Bible. Benjamin's in the Bible. I said, you're in the Bible. Benjamin, Benjamin. He starts laughing. He said, what's your name? I said, Dino. He said, you're in the Flintstones. <laughs> I got some shoes. I give him shoes. We stop by Burger King. Get to the place. I get to pray with him. I tell him about some outreaches that we do, some resources that we have for those that are struggling with, with not being able to have a home. And he gets up and he walks in. He's walking into the shelter, Pastor Aaron. And I'm watching him walk in. About 6.45. I feel good. I was obedient. I, I gave of my time. I, I, I spent about $8 getting Burger King. I had a pair of shoes that I gave to him. I, I felt good. And I thought, what a gift I was this afternoon. And the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear and says, I didn't send you to Benjamin. I sent Benjamin to you to get you out of your head, to get you out of your problems, to get you out of your anxiety, and to get you into my heart. Benjamin was the gift. Lord, grant us the gift of generosity so that we can remember what it's all about.